Welcome to another episode of Individuality Unleashed. I am your step-in host, Jessica DeBellis, or as some people like to call me, JDB. I have literally just gotten off a flight after skiing and praying in France for the last five days because Vern's ill. So as you can imagine, getting a call up 10 minutes before I'm leaving the house to host a podcast is quite intense, but here we are. And I am with the lovely ladies from Elvi. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, I think to start off, it'd be great just to get an intro um, about your roles, your experience, and then we can kind of delve straight into it. Sounds good. Well, um, my name's Victoria. Uh, I've been working at LV for about three years and I lead up CRM, um, which is really exciting. Um, I've been able to introduce some cool stuff to LV um, and... One of those things is working on Wonderkin, which has been really exciting to partner with you guys. Um, I've actually been in the industry for about 12 years. I know I probably don't look it, but um, it's something that I am really passionate about. Um, I kind of really specialized in email marketing early on and um, have, have really got a love of email marketing and data overall. Um, and yeah now working my magic at LV. Perfect. I mean, you've definitely got great skin. So <laughs> doesn't look at, and I can say from partying on tables for the last few days, I definitely have aged a bit. <laughs> so very nice. Uh, and I'm Roselle. I work in the global brand team. So I'm the global brand manager within our breastfeeding category. So I really work on kind of the global brand and product strategies, um, you know, our global brand campaigns and also new product developments, which is a super exciting area. Perfect. So Rizal, I'm going to ask you my first question. I think one of the most interesting things is kind of the history around LV and how it's really trying to shape and be a leader in the femtech world. So I guess to kick things off, could you give us a bit of a background on who LV is, the mission and why we're here today? Yeah, definitely. Um, so LV's mission is to empower women through radical female-first technology. Uh, the company was founded in 2013 and it was founded because there was a real lack of availability of products for women um, in the healthcare space and within the technolo technological space as well. So at the time, it was founded by Tanya Boiler, who um, she started with the pelvic floor trainer uh, because at the time there just wasn't really anything on the market for pelvic floor health. So we launched with LV Trainer in 2013 uh, and then kind of from there we decided to look at what are the other kind of industries within the health tech space that were really lacking innovation when it came to women's products. And one kind of one of those categories was um, breast pumping. So in 2018, we launched the world's first wearable breast pump. Um, it's ultra quiet, super discreet, and that's known as LV Pump. And from there, we kind of continue to revolutionize and redefine our women's health categories. Uh, and so we're, you know, on a constant journey to look at what other spaces that there's real lack of innovation when it comes to women's health tech. That's amazing. Um, I probably didn't do this to begin with because this shows my lack of podcasting, but <laughs> I am a client <laughs> partnerships manager at Wonderkin and I actually rep the LV brand. And one thing I love about working with you guys and kind of um, your approach to the industry is in 
encouraging like not only flexibility but how can we help women live these flexible lives especially the post-covid world so having these breast pumps that women can be on the move we can they can go back into the office you could essentially be doing it whilst you're on a zoom call in such a discreet way i think is such a beautiful thing and it's just like what you know being able to be in partnership with you guys for a brand that's really trying to be thought leaders in this space is just remarkable is there anything that you've learned so far that if you were to leave LV that you would take elsewhere um, when we're kind of talking about female thought leadership and kind of change in the industry and in the femtech world I think for me personally, it would be about really listening to our consumer, really listening to what women are wanting and what's really lacking, to be honest. Um, I think that's what LV does really well is that we kind of everything that we design is with women at the centre. And we do that by really speaking to women, understanding what's challenging, uh, what, what challenges they're facing and what are the struggles. And then from there, really building products around that. And I think you can kind of take that within any industry who is who is your consumer and where, where are the gaps and I think you know not only in product development but the way we talk to consumers as well from a marketing point of view it's kind of that's a universal um, kind of universal skill of like how we can actually listen to consumers and, and what is it that they're really looking for and where are you listening to these consumers what do you think are your main touch points to really get that personalized understanding yeah so I mean that's a great question and there's kind of multiple channels in which way in how we kind of listen to our consumers we have a great kind of research and development team that speaks to our users and we do lots of kind of consumer insights we have an insights led team who um, do huge uh, studies with kind of thousands of breast pumping mums to find out kind of what what their needs are and then on top of that, we have kind of a really strong social following. So across like our Instagram and TikTok and our Facebook groups, there's a whole community of people there who are kind of really open to sharing their ideas, sharing their challenges with each other. And that's a really great way to kind of, uh, yeah, listen to what, what women want and, and where kind of the gaps are as well. That's really interesting to know. So what's next for Elvi then? What are your, um, what are you listening? What are you hearing? What do you think is the next phase in Elvi? Well, there's a lot more to go and like, we are a taboo busting brand uh, and we're not afraid to talk about topics that are really going to propel women's health in the right direction. And there's like a lot of room for growth in that area when you think about it. it you know, as a brand, we're only just starting. So it's a really exciting time to be at LV. Um, and yeah, like it, there's just a lot more to come. So watch this space. Oh, trust me, I will be watching. <laughs> um, okay, so to change the tune a little bit over to you, Victoria. <laughs> Um, how have rising digital advertising costs on platforms like Google and Facebook impacted your marketing budget and strategy? We know this is a huge focus at the moment um, within marketing because everyone's seeing these rising costs and especially what's going on with the economy and, you know, decreasing return on investments. So um, how have you seen these costs in impact you guys? Uh, well, I think we have really had to come together as a team to really focus on how we can join up all of our digital touch points. Um, I think we've quite often focused on our, our, on our individual channels and really looked at acquisition and retention, sometimes separately. Obviously, we've always tried to work together, but I think now it's 
looking at what we can get for our money. And I think we've just be, had to be really smart with our strategy. So uh, whereas we once upon a time would have spent money on paid ads, uh, top of funnel, um, or really, you know, through the funnel, um, we're now trying to see how we can um, reduce costs through uh, a combination of lead generation um, and affiliate marketing and um, trying different new types of media as well. So testing new partnerships um, and I think it is all about A-B testing and then how we can really then utilize the first party data that we have to then carry on the conversation rather than just focus on sales that we would be getting through the acquisition channels. Mm. And that's one thing I love about working with you guys is your open-mindedness to it all because, you know, we know that it's so important to build out that first party data and have that base, but not only just from a retargeting standpoint, but also how you guys can use that base to then speak to your audiences. And I guess this is another opportunity to really build that relationship, personalize, you know, support women along their journey f through whatever stage they are, for example, in the breastfeeding cycle, if they'd finished it. Um, so I really love the way you guys kind of look at it from a strategy perspective as well as looking at it from an outside perspective. Definitely. We, um, we have grown really, really quickly and we're fortunate to have products that are so successful. And, you know, when we first launched LV Pump in 2018, we, um, I mean, we, broke our website when we launched in the US because mm. we just didn't predict the amount of sales that we would have. So we're lucky that word of mouth is is a great tool for us. But one thing that I think a lot of users don't know and mums particularly don't know when they're using our pump is that it's a connected device. It's been developed to be used by an app. We have an app that is not just about, it, it's been designed not just about how to track the usage of your pump but also to personalize your pumping experience so where we're focusing a lot of our attention is how we change that and improve that for every single mum um so really we we're trying to make sure that our marketing does exactly the same thing so for us to provide a truly unique experience we need to have that information from day one so before they are even becoming a customer we need to know exactly what their um, struggles are what are the limitations um, how how can we how can we help solve their challenges um, one of the things that we've just launched on site is um, an online quiz so it's a product tool to help um, uh, an, an, a potential customer decide what pump is actually right for them because we now have two main product pump products which they can choose for which they're they they're great in different ways but if you're an expectant mum and you've never had if this is your first pregnancy how do you go about choosing even the right one let alone knowing how to use it and then making sure that that experience is the best experience possible Mm -hmm. so it's always like it's a coming back to the fact of not having one size fits all 100 percent everything basically yeah 
And I think like, you know, as women, we feel that because we understand how important it is to best support our bodies in that moment. And having a brand which is female founded, you know, everything is being built on what fits a female body, not a stereotype not making any assumptions here but just saying <laughs> um i think everyone can definitely feel that and it even bleeds straight into your strategies looking at different ways that you can speak to women individually creating yeah. quizzes to help them pick the most bespoke product for themselves um so definitely. yeah and like it all comes back to kind of redefining like the category and how we can innovate and how we can really personalize the experience it comes across even in our products so um last friday which was world breast pumping day we launched a brand new initiative called smart rhythm pumping and that's really all about kind of knowing that uh women have different pumping goals and they have uh different breastfeeding goals uh, and so with that comes different challenges and different obstacles and by speaking to uh consumers and speaking to women who are on that journey the current like offering on the market was one pumping rhythm and that's a a pumping rhythm is a a suction pattern of the electric pump and so what Elvie did was kind of we reevaluated that and we spoke to women and found out what were the key challenges that we were facing and from that we launched three brand new pumping rhythms that were really bespoke to particular needs so whether that was you know optimizing milk output or if that's experiencing pain while pumping we have a rhythm for that now Um, or if you're kind of experiencing heavy leaks or more let down then we also have uh, a a pumping rhythm for that and that's for existing LV mums as well as prospective mums because it was a hardware and app update so as Vicky mentioned we have smart connected devices so existing LV mums can update the app and then they have the offering of the three uh, pumping rhythms which we launched as well as our original and that really allows them to personalize their experience and have the ultimate pumping experience as well so it kind of translates from kind of the marketing initiatives that we work on all the way through to how our products are designed yeah that's incredible because you guys are breaking down the stigma that one size should fit all whilst actually there isn't we need to allow women to be in this environment and empower them for whatever their body needs and I think the fact that you can even do this on a device that was previously bought through an update just shows the power of technology and what you're able to do but also that at the heart of the business you guys are here to support women and empower them yeah Um, definitely and I think One of the challenges that we've had is really communicating the fact that it's not just you buy a pump, you use the pump and that's it. We've developed a device that is smart, but smart in a way that your phone is smart. You know, you, you get updates on your phone and one minute you've got one basic feature, the next minute you have something completely new, um, our pumps are exactly the same. You know, it's just making sure that our customers know that and having the right data um, and the right the ability to actually reach all of our customers in the right way to ensure that they know exactly how to optimize that is is a challenge, but it's something that we're working on. And I think working with the likes of Wonderkin to help improve our first party data and um our reach is really key there Mm. i guess that again comes back to the idea of how important it is to have that base there to be able to communicate to especially with all these um changes that are going on um kind of going off with your app um 
Apple have released changes to their iOS. Mm -hmm. Has that affected your approach to um, digital advertising on that platform or the way you can speak to your app users? So um, I think for us, it's actually trying to tap into the app users. So um, I think traditionally we've, well, we've, we've spoken to our customers on Facebook, um, but we've also relied heavily on Facebook advertising. So when they um, introduced iOS uh, 14.5, that meant that we had to change how we were gathering and using that data, um, which is when we've, we obviously look to invest in our first party data. Um, iOS 15 has had an impact on our um, email marketing. So where we've been able to look at things like open rates and engagement that way, we now know that it's not really something we can use. And even though email isn't dying, it's still very much alive. It's trying to ensure that we're expanding our reach and tapping into new channels. So actually, the app is potentially an area that we can focus on because it's part of the product offering. We know that our users are more engaged with it. So how can we ensure that the message is really like evident? Um, how are we communicating as best as possible without making it seem like we're just trying to sell to them? Um, at the moment, we don't utilize that to the full extent. So I think it's actually a way that we can start being clever with our app messaging because we haven't used it so much as a marketing tool and we know that it's important for our product. So um, it's just making that personalized journey even more so even more personalized yeah. yeah um so jumping a bit back before we spoke about the increase with Facebook and Google um because of this are you seeing a shift in where you're now spending your budget or do you see an opportunity or a need to kind of shift budget from those inefficient channels into more efficient channels yeah so we have shifted budget um and we're um, I think one of the biggest changes last year was actually working with Wonderkin. So we were able to use some of our budget to focus on um, how we actually optimize our identification on site and improving the um, our trigger emails and understanding how that is an additional channel that we could think of as almost like a performance channel. So not just thinking of performance marketing as paid media, affiliate marketing, you know, paid social. Actually, it's slightly different and we have more control over it. Um, and then what we're getting, we can keep. It's our own data. We're not beholden to the likes of Facebook. So um, we're, it's, it's more of a long-term investment. Mm. We're also, sorry, just to add on to that, like we're really thinking about kind of the customer journey all throughout our channels. So instead of being fully reliant on kind of the digital tactics, which are going to communicate that kind of full funnel experience, we're actually bringing people into the LB journey and then thinking about how we do that on our blogs, how we think about our product pages. What is like the tools, like the category uh, quiz tool that Vicky mentioned earlier? What are these other kind of 
channels that we can really bring consumers down through uh, through the funnel and really make them kind of aware of all of the key benefits at, at the right point in the customer journey. And so I think kind of the shift in the digital landscape has made uh, like marketeers have to really think about that holistic kind of journey and using all touch points to really kind of optimise um, in the best possible way, really. Mm. And speaking to people where they want to be spoken to, exactly. right? Not yeah. just being so reliant on one. I think like across all my brands and clients that I work with, I'm hearing that people are trying to shift their mindset even when they think about Wonderkin as mm-hmm. retargeting. Yes, performance channel like using some of that inefficient budget through the likes of Facebooks and the Googles investing in us because they're going to see those higher returns Mm -hmm. but then also having it in such a personalized way that they can then build out their base for then you guys to speak through through your own newsletters Mm -hmm. and your own tools because that data is now yours. Yeah at the end of the day we know the power of brand and I think in a climate like today people panic and they think well we just need customers we need to acquire new customers who we can attribute to direct sales and that's going to allow us to weather the storm but in reality we know that's not true and really changing the mindset to think of brand building over that period however you do it you know we can do it through big campaigns through you know smaller campaigns um and just really I think we have a we have a great platform to speak to our community um and make a difference there. And I think that's going to have the biggest impact overall. Mm. And we're seeing it through through the results that we're getting through um, uh, share of voice and... Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I guess it always like comes back to customer lifecycle, right? Like, yeah. I think like, especially for your brand, you've got such a, a small and very specific range of products. Mm-hmm. So when you think about repeat purchases it might be very different to a clothing brand for example but the fact that you guys are sitting here and saying it's not just about that first time purchase Mm -hmm. you have to be speaking to people and building that relationship for lifetime value really says so much and really highlights the importance of it oh 100 percent. and we know that the power of the customer is so important um and we've paid for those customers so let's utilize that Um, And even where we are seeing that, you know, it's a a longer consideration phase for our customers, um, equally, we do know that they are more likely to come back now that we have, you know, additional accessories. um, And we also have realized that LV Pump is the kind of product that people will buy as gifts. Mm. We really tap into our referral channel because we know that, advocacy is really key for us where people do think of LV as a one-time only um, purchase actually that's not necessarily the case because we're seeing people come back even if it's not necessarily for themselves it's for their friends and their family whether that's through gifting or just um, you know now now we have products like LV Curve and LV Catch which are helping women in a different way, but they're way more affordable in compa- comparison to our, our pump. So they're almost buying into the LV experience without having to invest as much. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes a good entry point. Um, but yeah, it's allowing us really to to nurture that um, relationship. And people want to be in the know. 
they people really want to know what's happening yeah. everyone doesn't want to have all the FOMO because I get the worst FOMO in the world <laughs> um so I think that's important you know yeah. especially when you're buying gifts you want to make sure okay right I know my best friends go and have a baby in a few months what what's going on in the industry what can I help support her with so exactly be open-minded as possible I think they say yeah um okay next question on my burn list <laughs> is um how have you adapted your overall marketing approach to navigate the challenges of a weak economy it's a wow. bit deep that is very deep. Oh, wow. Um, well, I guess I kind of touched on it, the whole brand building thing. Um, it's realizing that we can't just focus on um, performance marketing and, and spending on those channels. Um, and I think we are, well, for example, the Smart Rhythm campaign that we've launched mm. is great because it's a feature that we can sell into our existing base for free and it's a great way for us to build the brand without getting people to just buy yeah um and obviously it's another thing that's good for us as a, a way of standing out from competitors and ensuring that customers know that we are premium for a reason yeah we might all, not oh sorry Vicky uh, no I was just gonna say we're not necessarily the cheapest product around but it's all about really communicating the value that yeah. the products provide people um and I think that's that's you know one key in terms of how we're redefining and the category is through looking at smart ways that we can really improve our existing products um which is kind of the initiative of smart smart rhythm pumping um and yeah it's really also kind of understanding that it is kind of a, a challenging time at the moment and that's not unique to LV that's kind of all businesses and all companies are facing that so it's kind of like where we can focus to continue to share um our mission which is what we're all very very passionate about we're a company that is very mission-led and when we think about that then it's like it's much more easy to communicate kind of our purpose and the reason why we're here to consumers and it's something that's going to really kind of propel us through difficult times is really communicating that you're not just buying a product when you come to LV like you are buying into the mission that is is super important and that's propelling's propelling women's health tech in the right direction and it's kind of you know helping to change the landscape and I think that's what we're working really hard to really share our story and build awareness about that as well you're buying into the community yeah yes um I think and I like that's just like lit off such a spark in my mind is that no matter what's going on in the, in the economy, really honing on your mission and making people feel connected to that and reminding them why you're here is a way to navigate it. Um, because there is still so much more to learn, there's so much more to grow, there's so much more to develop, especially within the female um, health world. So Yeah, and that's what you get, I guess, personally when you speak to people about LV, um, people are really interested and they're very like, once they hear about our story and what we're here to do, people are really passionate and they're, they they want to get on board and they want to support companies who are making a difference and who are much more purpose-led. And we see that in the consumer research is consumers are looking to back, they're looking to back and they trust 
brands that have a purpose. And I think that's where LV really differentiates um, within within the categories, within both categories. And I think it's going to where where we're going to continue to stand out from the crowd because our purpose and our mission isn't going away. Uh, it's only something that we all feel much strongly about and we're all kind of really passionate about where we can go and the future for LV. Mm. And I guess the more light that gets shined onto it, the stronger that sense of community and that sense of purpose will be rubber stamped into the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> we need more investment in femtech. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, okay, um, shifting the conversation a bit. In your experience, what are the key factors to consider when deciding where to allocate marketing budgets and resources in the current climate? And that's also from a brand perspective as well, not just um, from like a performance marketing point of view. I think it'd be really interesting for everyone to know. Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. And I feel like we're always, especially in brand, we always have this kind of balance between short-term performance and returns, and then also kind of the long-term strategy, which is going to take more, like a lot of investment to build that brand. So for us, it's like really... Uh, it's navigating that balance. Um, And I work in the global team, so I'm very much focused on long-term strategy and how we can build kind of that brand and tell our story to more people. Um, And I work very closely with the local markets who are much more focused on the tactical marketing initiatives of how they can see results today because essentially we do need to still see results in order for us to grow. So it is like it is quite a challenging balancing act Um, and yeah it's split across what we're really focusing on is how we can build our earned channels how we can increase our first party like data Um, and so they're kind of that's where we're really focusing our budgets as well. Yeah I would say that we're um, we we still have a lot of work to do particularly in Europe where we're relatively new in the marketplace so brand building is still key and we know that to to see results there it we've got to carry on you know focusing on that and I think even globally and locally we're not you know budgets have been reduced but we're we're still investing in key campaigns and you know we've got campaigns planned this year which we're hoping will be a really good focus for um our core products and I think the other area that we know is so important and actually we're getting I guess there's more awareness today um, is is the pelvic floor trainer product that we offer, so LV Trainer, and just the importance of pelvic floor health. And I think that we've done great work in breast the breast pumping category, but the pelvic floor category is still, I think it's still taboo. And I think, again, this is where we can utilize our own channels to to really shout about that and make it acceptable to talk about, you know, pelvic floor health and all of the, um, all of the, you know, results, the, I'm trying to think of a good word, you know, the benefits of mm. that. And you're breaking and, down the stigma attached And to breaking it. down the stigma yeah. because I think, you know, once upon a time, you would never have thought about doing Kegel exercises in your 20s. It's mm. like, surely that's only for women who have had babies, but now it, you know women are understanding that it's never too early to start um yeah I think the pelvic floor um, category has kind of a big job in terms of the actual awareness of the category itself 
uh, is quite small and the education. So um, the pelvic floor within LV, the pelvic floor kind of um, job to be done is really educating women about what the pelvic floor is and the fact that, you know, you can have products that can actually help you strengthen that because we know that, you know, in the UK alone, one in four women suffer from incontinence. So it's like a really big kind of health issue but you don't really think about it or it's not spoken about so yeah it is going back to we are you know one of our our key goals is to break taboos and to talk about topics that are kind of necessary Mm. to move women's health in the right direction so they can have access to really smart technology um, that helps them live their better lives and and so the the pelvic floor category is something that it's what we launched with when we first when LB was founded and it's something that we're very passionate about as well within women's health tech Mm. especially just like from an education standpoint right like there's so many times my friends and I sit around and we start talking about even what we learned in school compared to what we've had to figure out on our own totally Uh, and I I think I remember I was at a dinner once recently there were six of us five of us have polycystic ovaries wow but not once did you ever learn about it in school. No. no one ever talks about it, but it's until you break down these stigmas and share things that you yeah. actually learn how important it is. Oh my God, 100%. Like the amount of people I know who have endometriosis, mm. but no one ever talks about it. And it's yeah. so hard to be diagnosed, um, but it's so common, surprisingly common. Yeah, and, and it like it affects your fertility. And it's yeah. like, unless people know that, no one's going to get it checked. Because no, exactly. Everyone says, oh, it's just a bad period. Yeah, Don't a doctor's worry. like, well, come away in, you know, like go away, come back in a year. If it's still bad, we might look into it. And it's like, well, no, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it just goes to show that like we have so, so far to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's, just, like, it's just, yeah. It's absolutely bad. so far. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, we have a lot more we need to share. We have a lot more we need to learn and grow from. Um, okay. How do you measure the success and return on investments of your marketing efforts? And then how do you adjust your strategy based on these metrics? So I guess to start off with, because that's just long, yeah. is <laughs> what is success to you guys? That is a really hard one because you, I guess it's a, it's a question that, I mean, everyone wants to try and find an answer to measurement and measuring accurately. Um, Attribution is hard. Depend, you know, everyone has different ways of measuring, whether it's CPAs, CAC, uh, ROAS, which, you know, I think when you're spending a lot of money on advertising is the automatic metric to look at. But I think as Roselle's mentioned it's a fine balance and you're having to see right we're we're not just focusing on our performance channels and understanding what the attribution is there and looking at Google Analytics and working out if somebody has been acquired via Facebook or Google um, are sales attributed to an email or did they go direct to a website it's much more than that and I think it's this brand piece and the balancing act which is so hard to measure um so it I think no one has the right answer so it's just trying to to make the best of what you have and I think platforms like Wonderkind at least allow you to not just see immediate results but you can actually measure the gains through the data and through the the leads that you've um managed to 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 get off the back of it 
to then, you know, utilize CRM platforms to see what happens once you've acquired that lead all the way through the customer journey. At least you're able to track that. It's just hard to to track the impact of brand. And I guess that acquisition piece is also what everyone focuses on, but it can be so hard to really know that full potential of a customer. Mm, I guess it's like creating depth to the data, right? De- yeah. Yeah. And actually this is something me and my team are working on at the moment. We're kind of looking at a customer's life cycle and how Wonderkin keeps funneling it back in because you're cr- like the value in strengthening that data and creating more depth mm-hmm. is, you know, could be equally as important to the revenue that's attributed from a triggered email in a sense. Because yeah. it's allowing you guys from both, from whether it's like a newsletter perspective or whatever, to understand that customer and make a more bespoke communication towards them. So mm-hmm. um, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. To me, it's all about customer lifetime value. And really that's the most important metric because you can you can look at the return on ad spend but ultimately that's focusing in on like a much smaller tactical initiative that is great for that period of time but what's it's no use if the customer's then gonna lose interest and and you know yeah that's it they've turned they've gone yeah they've gone to your competitor yeah so and I think as well like some people say like oh you know everything's going on the market we need to like pull money out of everything and it's like well no now more than ever you need to be speaking to people yeah because you need to be reminding them of who you are keep that lifetime value forever building and forever strengthening yeah so that you know when we kind of like jump out of this world you've got this base you've got this brand loyalty mm-hmm. and customer loyalty there um that are eager and ready to rock and roll yeah definitely agreed all right, another question from Vern. What are the biggest challenges facing marketers today and how can they overcome them? So many challenges. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for us in uh, the breastfeeding category in particular, it is becoming increasingly saturated and, you know, uh, we are seeing kind of uh, existing players launch uh, within the wearable uh, health tech space. So, Um, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of my competitors, but um, what I can say is LV is really focusing on where where we can improve our product offering. Um, And so that comes down to personalization, how we can uh, speak to our users and really figure out what are the key challenges and therefore kind of create the smart technology to be able to meet, meet those challenges. And we're also focused on, you know, building that brand we know that LV is um, when people know about it they're really passionate and they're really willing to support but we want to we want to let more people know and we want because we know that it has such a strong mission and a really strong purpose and so I feel like within this climate within this challenging competitive space and within the the economic challenges that we're facing it's like that's going to be our focus and that's where kind of Elby's really going to hone in to be able to tell more people about our mission um, and to get more smart tech to more women. Mm. Um, I think the challenges are, well, particularly from a CRM point of view, um, the changes in policy and technology, we're having to evolve all the time. And I think just what we've seen with email marketing and the privacy changes, you know, when Apple introduced their um, new uh, privacy feature um, 
to be able to hide your email address. I mean, that's mm. had huge implications. Um, and also just trying to evolve with the times. You know, I, I'm a big advocate of email and I think seeing all the technology now that's available in terms of um, really making interactive emails the norm, um, how can we make that user experience better than it ever before because you know people's inboxes are so busy and you only have a few seconds to grab their attention so what is it that we can do to make sure that that's the best that you know we can offer um but yeah always challenges always evolving um and we're always ready to take on those challenges yeah. i think what do you think's next next for femtech I'm getting a bit out of the mm. box here Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so much that needs to be done. I think the first step is really raising awareness um, and educating, uh, e like firstly educating women, but also everyone on kind of the issues that women are facing within the healthcare space and, you know, within kind of the entire, like soci in society as mm. well. Mm. Um, it's like educating, raising awareness. And then for us, it's continuing to think about how we can innovate products that are really gonna meet the challenges that women are facing and design products at, with women at the heart, which is something which is surprisingly has taken a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it do. kind of like crazy. infuriate you when you think about it though? Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. It's mad. It's mad. Mm. I would say everything that Roselle said. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, it's insane that actually you have, if you look at the how the iPhone has evolved in the last 10 years compared to the breast pump in the last like 30 decades. years, mm. decades, it's, it's just mad. And you're like, an iPhone is great, but it's also being designed... For a man. man. For a man. For a man's, for a man's yeah. I mean, I know I did choose a big phone, but look at this. It's yeah. like yeah. insane. I mean, everything from seatbelts to... Oh, have you guys read that book? Oh, um, yes. The Invisible, um, Invisible, Invisible Women. Women. It's like toilet space. How it's yeah. like they look at space and it's 50-50. It's like, well, hang on a sec. No. It's a lot longer and harder for a woman to go to the bathroom yeah. than it is for a man. Exactly. Police There's always vests. a queue outside the toilets yeah. for women. Yeah. yeah. Police yeah. vests, like they're built on a man's body. The placement of an airbag in a car. Football kits now. That's the latest. Football kits for women, not designed uh, specifically for a woman's body. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new one. I mean, it's everything. And it's only quite recently that women have been kind of included in a lot of medical studies because having um, like a menstrual cycle mm. means that you are quote unquote complicated and it's, you know, that's just wipe out 50% <laughs> yeah. of, of the population within the samples that they use because it is too tricky. And I think that is like a huge issue and it has yeah. huge ramifications for women's health. Mm. Uh, and so, like I said, like there's so much to be done within yeah. this area. The, like even the fact of like fertility, like yeah. we're kind of taught our whole lives that, oh, you know, as long as you have a baby, be you know before you're like 33 or 30 sometimes <laughs> yes. you're fine but yeah. and like no research has ever really like has been spent on it to the extent that it should be and now no. like kind of I'm at that age I'm hearing my friends stories and like the limitations of medical understanding on female fertility mm -hmm. is ridiculous it yeah is. it's just insane it's shocking yeah, yeah. I think everywhere you go 
it's shocking. <laughs> and yet, like, it's just you you come to be expect that. But at the no. same time, it's still, like, how, though? And it's crazy, Why? like, without women, human beings wouldn't would exist. Yeah. I know that it takes two to tango. But the fact is, is that, you know, women have wombs that you know grow babies like why aren't we doing more about bodies are literally changed to fit the exact cycle of a baby like the fact that like your breast what the vitamins your breast milk provides is exact to the month of the baby yeah is just like it's insane insane. yeah insane but unfortunately you know we haven't been given an equal share of the world's healthcare spend, but you know what i always say change starts from today and we can all be that force for change Definitely. That's really good. I agree. Well, thank you. Well, I think that's a nice place to end it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, no, Um, thank you so much for having us. I know this has been a fun, fun little chat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I always thought my first podcast would be about my dating life. So this is also (laughs) a shock for me. Maybe the next episode. (laughs) Maybe the next episode. Um, Yeah, I was in Valdez yesterday. Here I am today. Well, guys, that's been another episode of Individuality Unleashed. Thank you very much for joining us. And who knows, you might see me again soon.